In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the scripture reading, we read the passage about where Christ is uh, speaking, and he says that he is the bread of life, and he speaks about his relationship with the Father. And we read in verse 45, Therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And he spent, Christ spent his earthly ministry speaking about the Father and everything that the Father commanded. And actually last week we started a two-part series speaking about um, when, when the lawyer was asking Christ, and who is my neighbor? Or, or he, he told him, um, how is it that he should love? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we spoke about what does it mean for us to love the self? And um, last week we, we, we covered a few points that I'm going to just summarize quickly today, and then we will continue um, the last part of this topic. So we, we spoke about there were three different categories of that we wanted to focus on when speaking about loving the self. First, what is, uh, what is not loving the self? A lot of times we, we think this is uh, maybe love, but it's not really love, loving the self. The second is what is loving the self? And the third is how do I know if I do love myself or not? So we spoke about a few points of what loving the self is not. We said it is not narcissism. It is not being the center of attention or desiring that everybody serve me. Uh, it is not pride and a sense of superiority, meaning it is not that I feel better than other people and I feel that I'm exalted above them and that I should rule over them. It is not selfishness. It, doesn't, it means that it's not that I only care about my own things and the only things that matter to me are things that are, imp or things that are important to me, are things that affect me directly. Uh, loving the self is not seeking recognition, wanting other people to acknowledge me, to, to say about myself that I am good, to you know, praise me. This is not loving the self. Um, what is loving the self? We covered a few points uh, last time, and then I'll continue with some more points today. Uh, we said loving the self is understanding my identity in Christ, meaning it is that I value myself according to what, who I am in Christ. That I am valuable because Christ created me, because Christ made me in his image, not because I have some special uh, ability or some special knowledge or some special unique talent that God has given me, that we tend to um, evaluate ourselves and compare ourselves to other people. But actually loving the self is loving who I am in the person of Christ himself. The second is understanding my uniqueness and purpose. That God created me with a specific purpose and a specific plan. And he gave me a very unique set of attributes and talents that he wants me to use in the world in some way. That he wants me to glorify him in some way. So to love the self means that I use these talents to glorify God. I don't waste them. I don't be like the, the, the lazy steward in the parable of the talents that did nothing with the talent that he received from God, but simply buried it in the ground. This is not the love the right, correct love of, of ourselves that Christ is speaking about when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The third point, which we covered last time, is believing that God can use me even in my brokenness, meaning that even in my sin, even in my weakness, even with my failings, even with all of these things that uh, plague me, that, that cause me to be deficient, maybe in the fullness of what it is that God wants me to accomplish, God still uses me despite of these things. God uses me despite of my weakness. And this is important for us always to remember because sometimes when we fail in some way, 
we feel like this is perhaps the end of the road and we feel maybe that we want to give up and that there is no reason for me to continue on the path that I'm on and how is it that God can use me when I am a sinner? How is it that God can use me when I have failed? And yet God uses these failings and this brokenness actually to enhance us, to grow us, to strengthen us, to make us even more capable. And instead of just turning aside and saying, you know what, I'm done with you, you don't have any more purpose. No, actually it's the opposite, that God shows even more gentleness and even more love to restore us again. So this is also part of loving the self, is believing that God uses me even in these times of weakness and brokenness. I believe that's as far as we got last time. The fourth characteristic of loving the self is having the courage to admit faults. Sometimes we are very frightened of admitting faults because we want to imagine and pretend to one another that we are perfect and that we don't have any faults. And even when I'm having you know, a conversation about someone, maybe about a decision that I've made in the past, I refuse to accept the idea that it could have been a poor decision or a poor choice that I made. And I find reasons to justify every action and every decision I make instead of just saying, you're right, I, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that, right? Part of loving the self means we have to identify who we really are. We are weak. We have mistakes. We, we have failings. And in order for us to really know ourselves, to really know who we are, we have to admit that sometimes we fall. First, First John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to believe that God is the forgiver and that he is the one who covers us. And he says what, that if we confess our sins, if we have the courage to admit these faults about ourselves, then he will forgive. The people that are the most um, balanced emotionally and spiritually healthy people are the people that know themselves and their weakness and are able to admit it to themselves and to others. Those people are the ones that truly have great potential. When I know myself and I'm not ashamed to admit of, to know my own weaknesses, I have great potential because I'm able to work through my weaknesses. I'm able to overcome my weaknesses. I'm able to avoid areas of weakness. But when I am blinded to my own weakness and blinded to my own sin and refusing to accept wrong in anything, right? Then, then actually I'm hindering myself. I'm hindering what I'm capable of achieving and what God is able to do with me. Because instead of, of accepting that I still need to learn and I have a lot left, left to learn and I will continue be, to be open to learning and to correction, instead I think I already know everything and I'm not willing to yield and I'm not willing to learn and I suffer. So this is not loving the self, right? Loving the self is having the courage to admit faults. Loving the self also means that we are able to offer the self to fulfill God's calling. Meaning that wherever God wants us to go, this is the where we are to go. Wherever God leads me to go, this is where God is leading me, this is where I should go. Instead of being very um, territorial, or instead of being very uh, rigid and not willing to move, not willing to, to move from one place to another, I don't mean physically, I mean to, to, if God is calling me in a certain area, He's calling me to do a certain thing, to do a certain service, to do a, a certain job, to do something different than maybe what I'm doing now, this calling is from God and loving the self means that I'm willing to yield to this calling. In Ephesians 5.2, it says, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He gave himself for us. He gave himself. He who descended from heaven to give himself to us 
to sacrifice himself for us, he is also calling us to sacrifice something for him. And that he calls us to him in one way or the other to fulfill whatever it is he has called us to do. And he is asking us to yield. So loving the self is about following the calling that Christ is calling us to. So I just want to ask finally some questions about how do we know if we love ourselves in the right way? How do we know if we truly love ourselves in a healthy way? The way that Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself and not in the, the selfish way, not the selfish kind of narcissistic love, but instead the true, healthy and balanced love of self. So number one, we ask ourselves, am I secure in who I am? Am I always comparing myself to other people or am I secure in who I am? Maybe yes, there are things that I cannot do. Maybe there's things that other people do better than me. But does that really bother me so much? Is that something that causes me to um, hate myself? Is it something that causes me to fall into depression and despair because there's other people that can do certain things better than me? Am I comfortable in my own skin? Am I comfortable with the, the capacities that God has given me? Or am I always unhappy? There is nothing wrong with desiring to grow and to desiring to increase in knowledge and to increase in skill and to increase in understanding. But while we are here in the place that we are, are we content and satisfied that God still loves me and that I am still a good person and am I still a valuable person and I do not need anything more than what I currently have to be valuable? This is a defining factor on if I love myself or not. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning that God is always working in us, and that God is always growing us, and we should enjoy this process that God is working. And we should feel like even, yes, maybe I am not today the, the end goal. Maybe today I'm not what I really want to be in the end, but yet I have faith and I believe and I trust that God is working and I am growing and that by the grace of God, I will continue to grow and I will get closer and closer and closer to Him. This is the, the security of ourselves. Am I secure in who I am? I don't have to be another person. I don't have to have other skills that other people have that I don't have. Am I secure in who I am? This is the first question we ask ourselves to say, do I love myself? The second question I can ask is, do I know and appreciate my points of strength? Do I see the good things in myself and attribute them to God? Sometimes we don't see anything good in ourselves. We look at ourselves and we just see failure and we see disappointment and we see some bad things that maybe other people have pointed out in us in the past. And maybe we believe lies that we've heard in the past that people are telling us that we are just bad people. Right? And that there is nothing good that can come from us. Do we see our points of strength? Each one of us has points of strength. Yes, we have weaknesses too. But each one of us, for us to have a balanced view of ourselves, we have to see our points of strength. But not only to see our points of strength, but that once we see them, we realize that these are gifts from God. This is a gift that God has given me. Remember, we are dust. We are created from dust. We are created from the dirt of the ground which the dirt of the ground has no strengths, it has no qualities, it has no mind, it can do nothing. The only reason we can even speak or see or communicate or think is because God has taken this dust and he has formed it into a human being and then given us life and given us mind and given us purpose, right? So every good thing that I have in me, even being able to speak, comes from God alone. So when we see these points of strength in us, these are all God-given. This is because God has given me this. Now, yes, we have cultivated it 
and God calls us to cultivate. Just again as in the parable of the talents, God gave the talents and then he expected the people to work with them and to gain interest to multiply the talents that they were given. God also has given each of us strengths and he expects us to work and to cultivate these strengths so that they grow. So I don't sit back and I say, you know what, God has given me whatever it is and I have no role and I have no job. No, actually we have a job. Our job is to grow these talents and these skills that God has given. But do I recognize them? Do I, do I acknowledge that these are in fact God-given strengths that I have? Also, do I use these talents that God has given me for His glory and to serve others? Do I use them for God's glory and to serve others? Why is it that God has given me these strengths? Why has He given me these talents? Is it simply because I use them on myself? Is it simply because He wants me to get ahead by myself? He wants me to use these things so I can improve myself and that's it? Or is He using these things so He can serve the church? So, so that He can serve others, right? He wants me to use these strengths in the service of other people that maybe somebody else doesn't have the strength that I have and He needs or she needs me to use this strength to help them, right? This is, this is a big reason why God gives us these strengths. Also, do I feel covered by God's grace and love for what I cannot do by myself? There are limitations to my strengths. Do I feel that it's okay that I don't have every possible strength? Do I feel it's okay that other people are, have a stronger area than I have, right? We have to appreciate who we are. Um, there's a story in the Bible uh, in 2 Chronicles where King Hezekiah, who is the king of Israel, he's about to go to battle against Sennacherib, who was an Assyrian king that was coming to destroy the people. And King Hezekiah was a very faithful king, and he went into the temple, and he poured out his heart to God, asking God to protect the people from this invading army that was coming by all means to destroy completely Israel. And there would be nothing left because their army was so great. And so he is speaking to God, and he's saying what? With him, meaning Sennacherib, the enemy, uh, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Do we see that God is the one who is behind our strengths? And God is the one who is protecting. God is the one who is saving. God is the one who is working, right? Our, our identity again comes from being in Him. And He is the one who gives us these strengths. And if I really love myself, I understand this about who I am, about what God has given me and what He desires me to do with these strengths. On the flip side, and the third question is, am I aware of my weaknesses? And how do I handle them? This is the balanced view of any Christian, is that we don't just focus on all the strengths that we have, and we don't just focus on all the weaknesses that we have, but we have a balanced view of ourselves, that I see myself rightly. Do I acknowledge my weaknesses and even seek them out? In Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is it here when King David is saying this? What is it he's, that he's saying? He's saying he wants God to reveal to him his weaknesses. He wants God to reveal to him his weaknesses. And that's typically something we don't like to hear about ourselves. I don't like it when people come and tell me my weaknesses. I like it when people tell me my strengths and tell me all the good things that I do and give me compliments, but I don't like to hear rebuke or correction. I don't like to be reminded of the things that I'm doing wrong. But here, here, King David, he is asking God for this. He is not trying to justify himself before God. 
He's not trying to go to God and convince God that he is right in every way and that he is doing no sins. He's coming to God and saying, God, you know me better than I know myself. Search me and reveal, okay? Know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. Reveal this to me. Because again, a balanced person and a person who really knows and loves themselves is a person who doesn't lie to themselves. Okay, sometimes we lie to ourselves. We don't want to acknowledge and believe that we have weaknesses. Do I look at myself with a sober judgment, acknowledging my sins, while at the same time not being depressed by them? And this is the delicate balance. King David, he wanted to know his sins, not so he can wallow in sorrow and sadness and depression. He wanted to know his sins because he believed that if he confessed his sins and repented from them, that God would remove them from him. And so actually it was a source of joy for him. Whenever we discover our weaknesses, it actually should be a source of joy for us. Because we now have the opportunity to reveal them, to confess them, to be free from them, so that they are no longer something that are like weighing down on us, that are dragging us down and keeping us from growing. Do I continue the spiritual warfare, still trusting God even in my failures? Whenever we fail, are we tempted to stop praying, to stop fasting, to stop coming to church, to stop doing anything because I feel like I don't even deserve to be here? None of us deserve to be here. We don't come here because we deserve. We come here because we are weak. We come here because we need healing. This is why we come to the church. So as I begin to realize these weaknesses, what is my response? Am I continually fighting against them or not? Do I believe that God forgives my sins when I repent and confess? Do I really believe this? If I really truly believe this, then, then confessing my sins to God is not gonna be something painful. It's not gonna be something sad. That I, after I, I confess my sins, I'm gonna come out feeling victorious. I'm gonna come out feeling like stronger than I was when I came in. Because God is the one who wants me to know my weaknesses. There was an analogy that I heard kind of related to this about if you have a, a soldier who goes to war and this soldier in, in the war, he gets very badly injured. And in the battle, he gets, you know, bullet wounds and he gets explosions and he gets his arm, you know, gets hurt and his leg is hurt. And he, he comes back, he has, he doesn't, he's not able to continue to the end of the war and he comes back home and he has to, you know, be in the hospital, okay? But yet when we look at such a person, what do we see in them? Do we see a failure? We don't see a failure, we see a hero. You know, a person who sacrificed so much, and even though they didn't actually win the battle, they sacrificed so much in order to try, in order to fight, right? Compare that to a person who says, you know what, I don't even want to go to the war. I don't even want to go at all and risk myself at all in the war, so I'm not going to go. So if you compare those two people in the end, the person who didn't go to the war, he actually he has all his limbs and he's not damaged or hurt or wounded in any way, but he was a coward because he never even tried the, to fight. And this is the same is true with the spiritual warfare. When we begin the spiritual warfare, we might find that we fail a lot. We might fail, find that even with my best efforts, I'm not able to stop sinning in the sins that I, that I struggle with, but I don't give up and I keep fighting and I keep fighting. And so maybe we develop some wounds in this spiritual warfare, but in the end, how is God gonna see us? He's gonna see us as a hero, as a person who struggled and struggled and struggled to the very end, even if, we never conquered, even if we never completely succeeded in eliminating all these sins and these vices that we are struggling against, even if in the end I'm still a sinner, which we will be, I'm still by God considered to be maybe a saint.
because I never stopped struggling and I never stopped trying. But a person who never even tries, never even struggles, never even makes any effort at all, maybe in the end that person feels better about who they are because they're not really know who they are. They're not really aware of themselves because they've never actually tried to fight against it. The, the only way that we know our weakness is when we try to fight and we fail. But those people that have never fought, those people who have never tried, those people who have never tried to increase in virtue, they have no idea who they are because they have never tried to fight the forces of darkness that are warring against them. Only when we fight those darkness, only then do we realize our weakness and only then do we call out to God for salvation and only then actually do we have victory. So this idea of knowing our weaknesses is extremely, extremely important. The last point and the last question that we ask ourselves to see if we really truly love ourselves in a healthy way is we ask, am I performing my role and my duties with contentment? Am I content with the place that God has given me in my life today? In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 5 it says, there are differences of ministries but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities but it is the same God who works all in all. We are all different and we all have different talents. Am I satisfied with the role that God has given me? Am I satisfied with the place that God has given me? Not everyone can be an executive. Not everyone can be, you know, the boss. Not everyone can be number one. Sometimes we have to be willing to accept number two or number 70. Is it, am I satisfied with this? There is nothing wrong with wanting to grow and to increase. But what if the abilities that God has given me or the opportunities that God has given me are saying what? This is where you're going to stay, in this place. At least for now, this is where you are. Am I content with this? Am I satisfied with this? Do I hate myself because I'm not able to be number one? This is contrary to what our society teaches. Our society tells us you can't be satisfied unless you're number one. But this is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says be content with where you are. Being number one is not the goal. The goal is being content and joyful and fulfilling the purpose that we have been given by God, which means that not all of us can be number one. It's not possible for everyone to be number one, right? God has ordained for us different things and given us different capacities and different purposes. Be satisfied with the purpose that you have and love yourself for who God made you to be, not what you imagine yourself to be. And if God chooses to promote you and if God chooses to make us higher and give us more, thank God for this. This is, this is from God. This is great. But until that day happens, should I always be living in sadness and expectation of something that might never come? Instead, I'm happy and joyful because God is with me regardless of where I am. So we spoke about how do we love ourselves. When Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself, we have to really understand what that means. What does it mean for me to love myself? Because it is with this same love that I love my neighbor. And if I am not able to love myself in a healthy way, then there is no way that I can love my neighbor. If all I focus on is myself, is all I focus on is my selfishness. If I don't know how to be um, comfortable with who I am, if I don't know how to value myself for the real reasons of value that I have, there will be no way that I can value my neighbor at all. If I value myself only because of my talents, only because of my success, then that's the same lens and the same measure that I will use to value everyone around me. And I will only respect those people who are successful. And yet those people who are maybe not as successful in my own eyes, I will see them as being less than who I am. And it will always be a life full of competition, a life full of bitterness and a life full of envy. Instead, God says, love yourself for who you are in Christ 
And then you will also love everyone else in the same way. And glory be to God forever. Amen.